So how would you describe a podcast like The Shared Desk? It's a podcast that took its sweet time to do a promo. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that goes without saying. I mean, you could say The Shared Desk is a podcast about collaboration, because that's what we do. Wait, 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 wait. There's a lot more to The Shared Desk. You got our Loot Crate looky-loo. Oh, what's in the box? And then what we're doing when we're not writing, usually it's pretty nerdy. Nerd! And then there are the drop-ins. Has the whole world gone crazy? Yes, there are drop-ins. And we love having guests on the show. It's the shared desk after all. And if it's Katie or Lauren, you get some lovely singing as well. So find The Shared Desk on iTunes, Stitcher, or at thesharedesk.com. The Shared Desk. Two writers. One podcast. Different different points points of view. Greetings from TG Geeks webcast where... Ben. And Keith, the two gay geeks, talk about all aspects of geekdom and nerdery. Sci-fi, comics, film, horror, genre. You name it, we talk about it. Find our episodes each week on tggeeks.com. Visit our Facebook page, TG Geeks Webcast. On Google Plus and YouTube, look for us as Two Gay Geeks. You can tweet at TG Geeks and at the Two Gay Geeks. Or call our feedback line at 469-TG-Geeks. That is 469-844-3357. Happy listening. Peace. Cheers. Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 114 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Ray's not with us this week. He's off traveling and having a good time, but that's okay because this week I am uh, very excited to be talking to Clarissa Thorne, the creator of A Geek's Guide to Cross Stitch. How are you doing, Claire? I'm doing really good. It's great to be here. Uh, I'm very, very excited to to talk to you all about something that I don't have very much experience with. So you're gonna you're gonna be educating me, and I have a feeling some of my listeners as well uh, this, today. Uh, before we get too far into it, uh, go ahead and tell us about yourself. Um, well, yes, I'm, my name's Clarissa Thorne, but everybody calls me Claire, um, so everybody's welcome to do that. Um, and I am the owner and purveyor of a little business called Unexpected Hobby. Which, if you're a Tolkien fan like I am, um, hopefully that doesn't need too much explanation. Um, that little <laughs> reference to The Hobbit, um, I do have to explain that to some people. Um, but in Unexpected Hobby, I design and sell geek-themed cross-stitch patterns and kits. Um, kind of everything from, you know, whatever hits my fancy. So it's kind of everything from Steven Universe to Star Wars to Wonder Woman to Ms. Marvel. Um I, yeah, whatever kind of hits my fancy at the time. Um, so I've been on, I've been on Etsy with unexpected hobby now since 2015. Um, 
and have been going to comic conventions, actually, um, that started with my husband, who is Chris Thorne of Chris Thorne Art. So you'll find him um, at a lot of comic book conventions in Artist Alley. And I've been joining him there, uh, bringing my kits as well, which, you know, seem to go over well. It's not an entirely common thing to find, you know, make it yourself uh, crafting kits on a comic book convention floor. So I feel like they need more of that. Yeah. You know, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, makers out there, crafters who are bringing, you know, final products, you know, like plushies and, you know, a wide variety of things, um, to comic book conventions, but not a lot of the, you know, I get a good reaction, you know, people (laughs) look at my stuff and, and they, they're expecting something that's, that's done and finished that they can buy. And when they realize, Oh, Oh, that's, that's for me to make. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> they, they seem to like to, to find that. Um, so yeah. And over the years that I've been doing unexpected hobby, I've been involved with a, uh, a kind of local, but ever growing uh, community of crafters um, here in LA that is, uh, was organized by some ladies that run a business called Dear handmade life. Um, you can find them at dearhandmadelife.com. But I go to, uh, they hold an annual crafting and basically crafting entrepreneur uh, conference in Ventura every year. So that was kind of key in getting me launched into doing a business, you know, taking me from someone who's just kind of enjoying my fandom at home and doing my crafting about that at home to kind of pushing myself to get out there and having a business. Mm-hmm. around it as well. Um, and the other thing that I, you know, I've been involved in now for, boy, I, you know, it's probably been three, three years at least is, um, a group up in, I'm, I'm in Valencia. So my, one of my local comic book stores appears brave new world comics. Um, and several years ago in, under a previous ownership, the, the owner started a group called geek girls society, which was, it's a, basically a membership group for school age girls that get together and, you know, kind of the same uh, model as the girl scouts, but they get together and do badges for cosplay or illustrating comic books instead of, Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. It's a really great group. And kind of out of that, you know, all the adult women who were, who knew about this group or, you know, the moms, et cetera, um, got together and said, well, you know, we, we want a geek girl society. (laughs) We need that. So now they've got a group called geek girls forever. And it's, it's kind of morphed into uh, different management, but they're still into, they're not directly associated with brave new world comics anymore, but still operating up, you know, in the Santa Clarita area. Um, So I go and do monthly uh, cross stitch nights with that group of women as well. So that's a lot of fun. That's so awesome. I, yeah. I love hearing it when when people find their own communities and create like, really, yeah. hey, you like this thing and I like this thing. Let's get other people who like this thing and go do this thing. I think right. that's so awesome. Yeah, well, and it's, it's, it's people coming together who have very specific fandoms, but who appreciate other people's fandoms as well mm-hmm. and, you know, get together and mildly argue about them from time to time. But what I love about it is that they're not just sitting and consuming the fandom, if that makes sense, they're, they're doing something creative related to that, whether it's guided by something else or it sparks something in them that lets them, um, you know, think of something new that they want to do. I'm, you know, that's kind of my journey with crafting 
um, which started, gosh, my son is almost 12. He'll be 12 this year. So I started looking for crafting outlets right after my son was born. <laughs> it was kind of that, <laughs> that uh, response to like, oh my God, this is overwhelming and I need something that's, that's mine, that's, that's therapeutic uh, mm-hmm. and, and gets me out of the, uh, you know, exhaustion of taking care of an infant, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, I, I, it's really important to me. I think it's a, it's a, it's an important thing for everyone, especially people who don't think that they're creative or artistic. It's, that's not the question to me. It's you it, getting out of your head and making something um, is just, everybody can do it and everybody mm-hmm. should do it to some degree. So. Um, well, it's it's yeah. it's interesting because uh, I I mentioned a couple weeks ago that my husband and I are are looking to start making our own soap, and yeah. um and it and you know I'm a I'm a theater teacher and and my my art has always been theater but there is something about um doing a craft that you can do on your own and have a product at the end of it where I feel like theater you know once you do it everybody has a great time it's a great communal experience. But unless you're like illegally recording the video <laughs> and nobody wants to sit and watch your video because, right. you know, it's a bunch of high school students uh, uh, on stage, you, you know, you don't have anything that's like, I made this where right. I feel like th- with crafting, you've got something that you can say, you know, this is something I did. And you have that, that actual, I can hold it in my hand thing. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a perfect thing. It doesn't have to be a successful thing. I think the important part about it is, and it's what I, you know, when I'm teaching someone to cross stitch for the first time, which is not really that elaborate a process. Cross stitch is, is fairly easy. It, mm-hmm. It's, you know, about 30 minutes of instruction and you're good to go. Like, you know, everything you're ever going to need to know. For it. <laughs> um, but it's, it, I think the important thing is putting yourself in a position where you have to figure something out and make something with your own hands. Um, so that at the end of it, whether it's perfect or not, you can look at that, go back and look at that process and say, oh, this came out of my head. Like inevitably um, that thing is going to bear your stamp of, of just some creative spark. And I think just starting small and, you know, who knows where that will take you. And I think for, even for artists who do other things, it's a great thing to step away. Like you said, step away from the theater or um, whatever else it is and try something that's completely outside of your wheelhouse. Um, because you find that you, you just have a really broad, I think most people have a much broader creative ability than they would give themselves credit for. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now, what areas do you find yourself geeking out about? Do you have like, you mentioned that before we started recording that it is, it is very broad. (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, I was thinking about this, um, in, you know, trying to prepare. And, and it's always a question of trying to like hone this down into a simple answer. And I'm not sure that I have that. So I, I think the, my best visual for this is like a very complex Venn diagram with a lot of circles going on, like mm-hmm. this huge cloud. But I, at the center of it, I think you've got kind of, we'll, we'll start on the dark side and then we'll go to the light side. <laughs> <because> <laughs> there's, there's a dichotomy going on, but you've got these two Venn diagram circles that overlap each other. And on the dark side, um, is anything to do with the apocalypse. And, you know, I'm, I think I'm kind of a, a connoisseur at this point of like humanity's extinction. So things like, uh, 
you know, zombie fiction and, you know, just anything, anything where, you know, humanity is on its last ditch effort to try to survive. Um, so, you know, one of my favorite books of all time and that I probably can't really read anymore because my hard copy is, is falling apart is, uh, Stephen King's The Stand. Yes. I, you know, I, I'm in the middle of, uh, I have to wait for it to renew on my library app, but I'm in the middle of the audiobook right now. It's like oh, 40, 47 hours of, of the yeah. stand. Well, you, and you have to read that version of it. You can't read the, the previous, you know, the original like edited version, the, the 1100 page version is the one to go with. Absolutely. Right. But, and my hardcover is just, well, it, it's partly because it's so big and it's so heavy and it's just kind of falling apart at this point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have read it and I'll take any version of that. I'll take the TV miniseries that came mm-hmm. out. Um, Molly Ringwald and everything. Um, I, I love that story. Um, but any apocalyptic um, thing going on, Handmaid's Tale um, by Margaret Atwood is, you know, just kind of that dystopian, taking society away from what we know, um, changing things up, making us, you know, it's that speculative fiction thing of, of just making you look at who we are right now, but in a completely different environment, um, and switching it up. And Margaret Atwood actually, she has another, um, she has another series that I don't know. I don't think a lot of people are familiar with called the Matt Adam trilogy. Oh no, I haven't heard of it. Yeah. And you know, everybody knows Handmaid's Tale, really well. But the Matt Adam trilogy, which I'm not sure I can name all of the books out of the, off the top of my head right now, it, it's a trilogy about a post-apocalyptic group of people who have survived kind of a, a terrorist man-made apocalypse, but it, it dives into a lot of themes about genetic engineering, which, oh. which are in the way that Margaret Atwood can do just like terrifyingly close to what we do now, like our capabilities now, but looking Uh forward just slightly into the future at like, well here, if we took these capabilities and use them for just, you know, everything, all of the bad impulses in human nature, here's where we could end up. And it's, it's a really fascinating series. So, but you know, the, the walking dead, Mad Max, Cormac McCarthy's The Road. I, I, I stay, at least in terms of books, um, very much in apocalyptic fiction. Um, have you read the, um, oh, I don't remember what the overarching series is called, but I've read the first book of it. It's called Feed, and it is a zombie story, but it's about kind of, it's kind of after humanity takes back a yeah. lot of their I'm trying to remember the author name too. I know I listened to the first book in that series. I can't remember if I read the whole trilogy or not. Most of my reading, when I say I read something, most of it is audiobooks because mm-hmm. I just I have an hour and a half commute time every day and my time for for reading is just I can't get it done unless I do audiobooks. But that's, you know, I'm kind of an audiophile. Um well, I'm not kind of. I'm I'm an audiophile. I I am a connoisseur. You know, I pay attention to the narrators. And the, <laughs> like I would I would geek out if I met certain audiobook narrators the same way most people would geek out at like seeing Stanley at a convention or something. Yeah, I would definitely agree because I'm in the same boat. I have an hour and a half one way commute. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, it's the only way to fill the time is yeah. to do audio stuff. And I never <laughs> thought of myself as a, a audio learner. 
but I, yeah. e either I have developed that over the years or that's always been my learning style because right. I, I now I find it hard. And as an English teacher, this is a bad thing. I find it hard to read because it's like, <laughs> well, can, all right, students, just read your essays into a file so I can listen to them on the way home. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know. And it's funny to think of it that way. Although I, I always go back to, and I can't remember if it was, I think, I think it was in his book on writing. Um, Stephen King talks about how um, listening to an audiobook is one of the better ways to know if a narrative is critically successful or not, because the the oral, you know, storytelling. It when you're hearing someone read a story out loud, it will amplify storytelling problems, mm -hmm. whether it's badly paced dialogue or just, you know, bad timing or, you know, whatever it might be, it's going to amplify uh, those issues with the book. And I think that's very true because I, I know that if I were just sitting and reading a book, a given book, that's probably not something that I like very much. I, I stay with it a lot longer, but with an audiobook, I can tell very quickly, <laughs> you know, within a couple <laughs> of chapters of like, yeah, no, this isn't working for me. Right. I'm going to give up on this. So anyway, so the, so the apocalyptic stuff, that's the dark side of my Venn diagram. And over on the other side, my second circle is um, science fiction, space exploration, um, all of that kind of thing. And it's, you know, and I think that's, I think there's a purposeful interplay there because on the one side, I'm, I'm very occupied in my head about the ideas of the survival of the human species and being kind of nihilistic about that. Mm -hmm. And on the other side of it, I am really, really engaged with the idea that, Oh, uh, you know, maybe the best parts of us will go out there and achieve these amazing things and, and will be Star Trek, the next generation um, mm -hmm. and not Mad Max. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know which one, you know, that'll end up being, but, but those kind of considerations are always, um, yeah, I, I, take any story and distill it through one of those, you know, genres. And I'm usually really, really happy. So on that side of it, Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica, um, you know, The Martian recent, that was out recently in theaters, Interstellar. I loved Arrival. That was one of my favorite movies. Arrival was really good. Oh, so good. That and I'm just a grammar um, geek as well. So... Um, having a sci-fi movie that was centered around the tensions of grammar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and sentence diagramming. I'm like, look, they're diagramming sentences on in the theater on the big screen. That's amazing. As so few people <laughs> remember or know that, I tried to do that when I first started teaching with students, and oh. they went cross-eyed. <laughs> so we, we didn't yeah. do that anymore, but I think I it's know. a great thing. My, um, one of my distinct memories from college is still the uh, senior level. My senior year in college, I took like advanced um, – grammar and it was it was basically just sentence diagramming the whole time mm -hmm. and in the like like you would have thought that these were like quantum physics sentences the way our professor had us diagramming and i i remember very distinctly being the only person in that class who was enjoying themselves all the time right. and everybody in the class was like Oh, we hate you, Claire. Stop talking about how wonderful this is. <laughs> well, it's like it's like math. If you don't use it on a regular basis, you lose it. Mm -hmm. Like if I was to go back to try and teach it right now, I would oh, have yeah. to do a good couple of weeks of of refresher because if you're not using it on like it's hard. You know what the part of speech is, but trying to remember where yeah. it goes is not yeah. necessarily the easiest thing. I know, exactly.
Well, this is great. So, so yeah. your 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 outlook is basically we're all gonna die, but it's okay because yes. we can colonize space. So, it's, I like this. I think this works. <laughs> yeah. A few of us were gonna survive, and yeah, I'm not gonna be one of them though because. I, yeah, I would be one of the first people to go, I think. And I am, I am wildly unsuited for any of the things, the rigors of space travel as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you have areas where you feel geekitude is low? You're, you're not real, like you, you change direction when the conversation comes up? Yeah, you know, I... First off, I'm, I'm a very... I'm a latecomer to comic books. Um, and I'm probably still not... Like I don't sit down and read very many superhero comic books, although I am a rabid Marvel uh, fan in terms of the the cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've I've been reading more. Like I, I read a few uh, comics out of the the series, the Thor series, where um, Jane Foster is Thor. Mm-hmm. I didn't read all of it, but I read a few. And I'm I'm just really not dialed into um, reading, you know, single issue like keeping up with a pull list or anything like that at a comic book store. And I feel really guilty about that all of the time. I, I feel like I should be figuring out how to do that, but I'm, I'm much more of a, um, what comics I have gotten into and, and I'm, I'm progressing, I'm getting there, but it's, it's probably only been the last three or four years where I really started to get serious about picking up some properties. But of course, you know, like I, I have the walking dead, um, yeah. hardcover editions. I have to have that why the last man was i i ripped through that insatiably of course um saga chew um and then i'm i'm probably where i'm dipping into like things that are current um and and still coming out are a lot of the very female um uh, main character female centric um titles like ms marvel and the latest squirrel girl uh lumberjanes bitch planet um some of those. So, you know, I'm kind of getting into comics, but probably even more so than comics. I think the area that I'm most lacking in is gaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is another arena where I really want to branch out more and, and dip my toes into, you know, bigger waters, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I play all of the um, Lego uh, video games. I oh, think nice. I've played. I think I've played all of them at this point. There might be a couple of Batman's that I haven't played, but yeah, like the Lego Marvel superheroes and Lord of the Rings and um, all of the recent titles. I'm so excited that they're doing the Incredibles. Yeah, they're going to be releasing the Incredibles um, this year. Um, so I've played all of those, but that's kind of my comfort level. <laughs> like low stakes not very stressful i bought i got really ambitious uh when we bought our xbox one and i bought borderlands and fallout 4 Mm -hmm. uh, when we got that and i thought oh fallout 4 that you know these are i'm gonna love these and i've played about i don't know like eight or ten hours of fallout 4 and then i met my first like big monster to have to battle Mm-hmm. And it completely traumatized me. <laughs> if I could just do Fallout 4 where like I wander around and I gather things and I survive. I, I think I read an article about someone who just played the game so that they were living at the original encampment. Uh-huh. And they went out and they just built up that encampment and they played, they played, I don't know if you can play the whole game that way, but it seemed like that's what they were implying. 
just not battling anything, just wandering around and, and developing their survival environment, which that would be perfect. So I, yeah, I don't know. And I'm really interested, you know, I had loved to play last of us. I have to talk my husband into letting me spend money on a PlayStation, I guess, but (laughs) you know, it seems like I would, I should play last of us. Right. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's in your, it's in your genre wheelhouse. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're, if you're looking to expand your, your video game prowess, that's, that's the direction to go. (laughs) I don't know. I, I I feel like I need someone to just like sit down with me and kind of hold my hand for a few hours and, and convince me that I'm, you know, I don't need to freak out. No, yeah, it's, it's all for fun. And, and we're, you know, I know I, a lot of those games put it on the easy setting and just enjoy, like, that's what it's for. Yeah. Yeah, And I would really absolutely, which I think there's a new title that I was reading about that's now coming out for Xbox one called no man's sky. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my understanding of that is it's just kind of an open world. You wander around and look at stuff. And yeah, and that seems delightful to me. Like I, could, <laughs> I could do that for hours and hours. So that's we'll awesome. See. Yeah, I'll get there. Now, do you have a favorite fandom? Do you have a, a, a favorite property or, or oh. something that's like, this is my go-to, you know, if I have to just pick one, this is it. God, if I just have to pick one. Oh, it's so hard. Um, well, we'll go back to audiobooks. If I just had to pick one, I would probably go with Stephen King's Dark Tower series. Okay. Because that's a lot of books. <laughs> so yeah. when I pick one, I get seven books. Um, it's just a great audiobook. I, re- I re-listen to that series probably every couple of years um, or so. Although, I don't know, Harry Potter is a really good audiobook too. Yeah, it really is. Um, I actually, the reason why I was listening to the stand is I'm trying to, to get all the books that I know. I know you can listen to dark tower by itself. Yeah. I feel like I've, I've heard from so many people that your understanding and enjoyment is so much better. If you kind of know what all the little nods are. To oh these yeah. Books. So I'm trying to go through all of those before I dive into to dark yeah. tower. And, the, and stand, I, the stand is a big one. It is yeah. a big, like actual like plot it actually involves itself in the environment um, kind of crosses over who, who reads the stand in the audiobook? Do you, I don't remember. remember. Who the is? I don't remember. Cause yeah, there's a guy named George Goodall who I think he still kind of holds a record for being one of the most prolific audiobook narrators of all time. But he just has one of those like, old guy raspy voices that's really really perfect for a lot of Stephen King books you'd kind of hope it was him doing it but yeah he um or the the whoever narrates the stand I'm trying to look through my app to see if I still have it I don't think I have it on the it's not showing up in the history but um he's really good and I I really enjoy it because I know that there's part of the reason why I love um I, I listen to the Dresden Files I'm working my way through those mm-hmm. and James Marsters from Buffy the Vampire Slayer does oh, those yeah. and he's amazing. He's good. He does a version of, um, Oh shoot. I can't remember the name of it. Like really, uh, Oh crap. I'm drawing a blank in the middle of it. It's on my app, my audible app. But anyway, while I look for it, I will, um, 
I will mention, though, that if whether or not you're a Harry Potter fan at all, the narrator of the Harry Potter series is a guy named Jim Dale. He's a theater actor primarily. Um, He is far in a way, even if you don't like Harry Potter, just listening to an hour or so of him narrating this book is Mm -hmm. just a whole different experience. It's it's it is kind of a theater experience in a way he takes these characters from Harry Potter and he reads every single Harry Potter book. So this is thousands of pages uh, of character development for him. He does a distinct and consistent and spot on perfect voice for every single character in the Harry Potter universe. And he, he's just absolutely phenomenal. He's amazing. Yeah. So he's, he's worth a listen, even if you're not going to, you know, listen to the, all of the the books um, or are interested in the story in any way whatsoever. Um, he's, he's worth that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. So James Marsters, um, he also does, um, is involved in a, an audio narration of the importance of being earnest. Oh, nice. Uh, which is kind of perfect too. Yeah, yeah. it really is. Um, it's Gro- It is Grover Gardner that does. Oh yeah. Stage. Yeah, I'm familiar. Yeah, with him. Yeah, Stephen King has always been, I think, very involved in um, working, not working with, but just like really good selection of narrators for his audiobooks. I don't think I've ever listened to a Stephen King book narrator and gone, oh, you know, this. Yeah. Yeah, they're always really top notch. So, yeah, I think I'd go with Dark Tower. Oh, uh, yeah. Or Lord of the Rings. Uh, I, can't under, <laughs> I can't underestimate my need. Like I, you know, go back and reread things from Lord of the Rings and Silmarillion and all of that. I, I can't underestimate my Tolkien needs either. We'll, we'll, we'll give you the free. We'll give you okay, the thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. See, no. this is the this is the problem that Fanbase Weekly has <laughs> <laughs> as well. Um, did, is there anything out there that you feel like? is so amazing that nobody else is talking about that everybody should be talking about. Yeah. You know, the thing I'm going to talk about, and I'm not sure if they are or not, I just haven't found a big, I don't think I've seen a big community of community of people uh, freaking out about it, but it's probably by nature of the fact that this is something that falls well within the dark side of my, uh, of things that I love. But I think, Maybe, and I'm still kind of holding out to know if this is my final verdict on it. I think The Leftovers, the HBO TV series, The the Leftovers, mm-hmm. uh, might be my favorite TV show of all time. Oh, wow. Oh, it's a big statement. I don't, I think that's true. I'm not really sure. It is definitely, though, like in the top five. And I knew almost immediately, like there's three seasons of it. It, it, it is a, and, and I, I don't see a lot of people talking about it. I think it, you know, it seemed to be very critically acclaimed, mm-hmm. but not very widely uh, discussed. And I think in, I think in the geek community, I think people don't really kind of understand that it does have this, you know, fairly subtle, but very important kind of sci-fi element to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it's a story about, you know, and when you look at it at first glance and for a while, I didn't watch it because I thought, oh, it's a story. It's kind of a religious, you know, 
discussion and look at like a rapture event, mm-hmm. but they don't treat it that way at all. There's certainly a lot of religious themes in it. Um, it is just some of the tightest, best like constructed overall story arc I've ever experienced in a TV series where, you know, shows like the X-Files, you know, lost me after a certain number of years because they just weren't managing the overall story Mm -hmm. uh, mythology and taking it to, I didn't care where they took it, just do the mythology, like, like tell the story arc. And they, they didn't um, very well. Or, uh, you know, and I think a lot of shows over the years have suffered from seasons that are too long, too many episodes, too much filler stuff. Oh, I very much agree. Yeah, and The Leftovers is three seasons of around 10 to 13 episodes each, and there, there is not a wasted minute of narrative in this in this story. And it starts at the beginning, and it go it ends, and it takes you to a conclusion. And it is some seriously twisted storytelling. It has, you know, kind of the, it's dealing with themes of the apocalypse because there's a kind of an ongoing question of, is the world going to end any moment? Um, It has to do with those kind of science fiction elements, um, you know, and, and brings in a fair degree of some, you know, kind of hard science about parallel universes and, uh, it's so good. And the, the, the cast in the show is, just phenomenal. And then, you know, you have Justin Theroux and Carrie Coon, who I don't know if you've uh, seen much of her. She's also on Fargo season three and is phenomenal in that. Uh, But it's got some good, you know, pop culture fan favorites too, like Christopher Eccleston Mm -hmm. um, and Dowd, who is, yeah, it's such a good show. It's so, it's so dark and so twisted and I will, you know, I understand it's depressing. Um, It's about the end of the world and, wondering if you're insane (laughs) and people being very suicidal through it. But yeah, it's, it's right in there. It's, it is really premium uh, storytelling. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I went, um, we we watched a couple of the first season episodes, but I think it was a little too dark for my husband. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's too dark for my husband. too. (laughs) (laughs) He keeps dipping into it and watching a few episodes and it is like, and I don't know what it is about me that I can binge watch that show. I will binge watch a whole season and be just so happy about it. And, and I get it. Most other people watch an episode and there are a few episodes, you know, in the middle of season one in particular that there's one episode that the first five minutes of it will probably put you off of TV forever. Oh my. <laughs> and, right, and rightly, and rightly so like it, all logic would dictate that. Oh yeah. I never need to see anything like that again. And yeah, I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think anything. It, uh, you, you sparked my interest in going back and watching it on my own. So yeah. I, will, I will definitely check that out. Yeah. I, you know, no spoilers, but honest to God, the third season of that show and in particular, and I think this is what marks it probably as being one of my, as being my favorite TV show. It, it's the rare show that I think the strongest episodes are the last three. Oh, that's awesome. Four, last three, last four episodes, the way they, uh, which is ironic, right? Because it's Lindelof who did not do this so well with lost. Mm-hmm. But maybe learned his lesson. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I I do think that happened because I think yeah. I think people were so 
so disappointed in the end of Lost that yeah. they they just it, it 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 soured the rest of the series for them. Yeah, and, and I think it made you know a lot of people realize that if you're going to do this kind of big uh, epic conclusion, you have to you have to pay off to the rest of the series. You can't. Yeah, and you and I think he learned that you can't. You you have to pay off really well in your resolutions for the characters mm-hmm. in the story. And those last three episodes of the leftovers are it, they 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 spend a lot of time in every season of the leftovers devoting whole episodes to particular characters and secondary characters as well um, in very satisfying ways. And the way they end the series is by giving. The, the last string of episodes in season three at the end are devoted, you know, they take the risk. I think it's a huge risk to devote a whole episode as you're coming up on the end of your series to a side character, but they do it in such an intelligent way that keeps moving the overall story arc and mythology forward in really like emotionally, you know, resonant ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but by focusing on these side characters and they're just some of the, the, the last three episodes of the leftovers are some of my favorite episodes of TV, just hands down. That's awesome. So, so good. So, yeah. Now I know we're going to be talking about uh, your book, a geek's guide to cross stitch uh, when we come back after break, but are, is there anything else you're working on right now? Um, well, I'm kind of constantly working on things, which I'm not, I don't have as much time for since I've been working on the book in the last few weeks. Um, but I'm always working on other designs for unexpected hobby. Um, right. I just put out, um, a Mockingjay hunger games, uh, design, which is up in my Etsy store now. And I'm looking ahead to, um, doing some crafting, um, yeah, I'm kind of doing a joint crafting um, event at WhedonCon, uh, which is coming up in May uh, with the Geek Girls Forever group. So um, I'm looking at, you know, I don't know, probably some Buffy and Spike centric because I'm very much of a Buffy Spike. Um, I'm Team Spike, I guess, is yes. the right way to put it. So, yeah, so I think some Whedon, some some Buffy centric designs are coming up. That's awesome. I, cause I, yeah. I love Buffy. She's one of my biggest fandoms. So that's, that's yeah. very exciting. Yeah. See, okay. See now you brought up Buffy and Joss Whedon and okay. I'm how I could ever pick one fandom. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard. It's, it's hard. It's so stressful. <laughs> well, we're going to, we're going to forget about that stress. We're going to move on. No, right. more, no more decisions like that have to be made, <gasps> but we are going to talk about our weekly geekery and what we did to, to geek out this week. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Adventure Zone. No, I don't. Well, yeah, it does sound familiar, but I don't know anything about it. Um, especially since you're an audiophile. Um, the Adventure Zone is a a podcast that is uh, an actual play, and it started as a Dungeons & Dragons actual play where they play Dungeons & Dragons. Mm-hmm. And it's three brothers and their dad. And it started off as just kind of a... You know, oh, we'll we'll do an episode of our other podcast, and we'll just sit down and we'll we'll play Dungeons and Dragons. And they had so much fun with it that they actually turned it into a series. And the first story arc went on for three years. Wow! And, and I finished that maybe eight months ago. And it for a lot of people, it was like a, a you know how there's um, 
scheduled TV events where, you, you know, even though we all have TiVo now, <laughs> you can, uh, you, you know, it's like, no, I will watch this live. There were a lot of people that scheduled parties to listen to the finale of this arc because wow. it was yeah. so good. And, uh, you know, a friend of mine just finished it um, a couple weeks ago. And uh, I, I asked, so did you cry at this point, this point, this point? And she's like, oh, my God, yes. Like, they they end this series by saying, wow, we played Dungeons & Dragons so hard, we're all in tears. Right. Um, it, it's just an amazing, amazing story. Well, they took the last eight months to just kind of each of them started running their own little mini games in different um, different rule sets so it wasn't dungeons and dragons they tried different right. things and they've they've just started season two in which they are doing um a a rule set called um monster of the week which is very much based on the buffy vampire the slayer right. supernatural kind of of feel to it and right. so i have once again dove headlong into the adventure zone because again the storytelling and the characters so much fun and i highly yeah. recommend anybody i i couldn't get through some of the little side arcs because they were kind of finding their way and and i recommend that anybody who wants to start with their first story arc called balance to you, mm -hmm. you have to you have to push through the first five episodes because they're kind of fooling around they don't quite know what they're doing and then somewhere in episode five it clicks that this could be a really big thing and it's not just haha we're gonna make fart jokes and <laughs> and all of a sudden you've got this and a lot of people I've recommended this to start and they're like really this is what you're having me listen to I'm like just just get to episode five and right. you'll you'll get it so highly recommend um. To cool. go check out the Adventure Zone, and if you um, are just starting, you may even want to start with their um, their new arc, which is called Amnesty, <laughs> and just download all the episodes that say Amnesty on it, and that will get you started understanding what's going on. Because again, they had like three years worth of wow. episodes for the first arc, so that's amazing. Yeah, so oh. I'm doing that, and cool. then. Um, I'm I'm considering, and and I don't know if this plays into your um, apocalyptic uh, fandoms, but I'm I'm considering listening to a bunch of H.P. Lovecraft stuff. Oh yeah. I don't know if you have any experience with that, and can give me a a, a nudge in the right direction. Uh, yeah, I have absolutely no experience. I mean, outside of just what I other people you know enjoying Lovecraft, I have never delved into it very much myself. So yeah, go for it and tell me about it. That'll I definitely will. I definitely cool. will. But it's, it's interesting because we, we have a Slack channel and I, I brought it up. Hey, I'm going to do this. Does anybody have any uh, um, suggestions? And Bij, who's one of the hosts of the geek to geek podcast um, on our network said, you know, oh, he used to be a, a English professor and he, he taught this. And so he gave us a whole PowerPoint on, on like horror genres and, um, but a lot of people say, you know, they won't listen to H.P. Lovecraft or they won't read it or yeah. they feel weird about reading it because um, he's very he was very racist. Oh, and, yeah. And that that bothers some people. And I, I've heard that it doesn't necessarily come into a lot of his literature, mm -hmm. but it kind of created this very interesting discussion on our Slack channel. So if, if people um, haven't joined Slack yet, it's a, it's a good thing to kind of just jump in there and see. Uh, I feel like it's it's informed so much other writing since then. You kind of have to look at it as well. 
You know, this was pre-World War II. Times were a little bit different then. I'm not saying I'm not I'm not endorsing it or, or condoning right. it, but <laughs> you also kind of have to look at it as in in the historical context that it was written. Yeah, well, you know, if you're a fan of anything written before, you know, a certain era, you know, it, you're going to find these people who are who are problematic. And yeah, I think it's really important for us to understand that. I don't know that it always directly affects my enjoyment of their properties. Um, sometimes it does, but yeah, it's 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 an interesting thing to to go back and kind of work through. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then the, the last little thing was, uh, I, I think I mentioned it in the last episode, but um, but last week I, I guested on the Girls Gone Wow oh, yeah. podcast. <laughs> and we talked Warcraft and creating characters, and and that was a lot of fun. So if you haven't and, and you have any interest in Warcraft, go ahead and check that out and, and listen to me hang out with Raven and EJ for, for about two hours. It's awesome. How about you? What did you do this week? Um, well, currently in my audiobook, and you know, I'm listening to in my car on my commute is uh, the new YA novel by Tomi Adeyemi, and I God, I hope I'm pronouncing her last name correctly. Um, she's got a, she's a first time author, or this might be her second book, but she's a very new author um, who's written the first in what is you know it's a YA novel, so it has to be a trilogy. Uh -huh. by contract, right? Um, um, so her first book in this trilogy is called The Children of Blood and Bone. Um, and I picked it up because it is, uh, she's an African-American, you know, female author, and she's written a story that is, you know, I'm not sure you can say it's, it, it's definitely very African-influenced, even though it's a fantasy story. So, you know, I, you can't say that this the, the, the characters or the, the places in this book are African, mm -hmm. um, but it's very um, West African influenced. Um, so coming off of Black Panther and, you know, some of the other uh, things that are, are out right now that are really, you know, have this wonderful diversity to them that we've needed and are just now getting. Um, right. I, I was very interested in this book because it is, it's a, uh, the best way to describe it is it's, you know, kind of black Panther meets Harry Potter meets avatar, the last airbender. So it's, it's a kind of a magic fantasy story about a group of young people who are, are uh, magi or, or should be magi, but they are living in a society where magic has been outlawed. Um, and it's, it's really, really, it's interesting. I'm not entirely sure I am sold, you know, on a critical level yet with some of the aspects of the book. Um, but I'm very close to finishing it. it it's very interesting concept. Um, it is very YA and, and the, the, uh, um, I think I'm trying to look to see who, uh, yeah, Fox has already, you know, optioned the, the film. <laughs> of course they film have. Right. Because yeah, very intelligently they're thinking, ah, look, a YA trilogy that we can talk about Black Panther in the advertising a lot. That'll work <laughs> well for us. But, you know, I do see at least, you know, whether or not I really feel like the book is completely successful. I do think that a film adaptation of it would be very, very entertaining. So, so yeah, Children of Blood and Bone, check that out. And then this weekend, I haven't done it yet, but I'm hoping today to jump into the new Lost in Space 
uh, series on Netflix. So, yes, I've heard a lot about that. that, and everybody seems to think it's really good. Yeah, it looks amazing, and Parker Posey is in it. So I, I'm, <laughs> yes. I'm in it for at least three episodes. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. <laughs> nice. Well, very cool. Well, thank you for for sharing all of that and all your fandoms. And uh, we are going to take a quick commercial break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about your book, A Geek's Guide to Cross-Stitch. I'm Void. And I'm Beach. And together we're the geek to geek podcast. Well, we make it. It is kind of us, but I guess it's separate. Every week we pick a topic from geek or digital culture and chat about it for a while. And you're invited. We talk about books and movies, games, comics, the internet. Or really whatever we feel like. Yeah, that too. So look for the geek to geek podcast on iTunes. Or wherever your podcasts are sold. Or downloaded. Or whatever. Comics. Hey everyone, Rob here, your friendly neighborhood comic geek, inviting you to join me and my rotating cast of co-hosts each week on The Comic Box, where we tell you everything you need to know to become a world-class comic book geek. So join us for The Comic Box, each week, right here on the geek to geek Podcast Network. Hi everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we are the hosts of Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture and talking about pretty much whatever we want. Katie! Yes? Stop thinking about Zac Efron and tell our future listeners what some of our latest episodes have been about. Well, we've talked about Zac Efron. No, get it together, Katie. Fine. We've talked about fan fiction, classical literature adaptations, favorite TV couples, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice and download our podcast today. And we're back. And today we're going to be talking about Claire's book, A Geek's Guide to Cross-Stitch. So tell us a little bit about what inspired you to get into cross Well, you said that you got into cross-stitch because after um, you had your son. Yeah, like I, I had a kid. I literally like walked into a Joanne craft store, like my local craft store and just wandered around the the store looking for some kind of hands-on craft. Like I had no idea what I wanted to do at that point. I had some vague ideas about, I'm going to teach myself how to quilt, which I've also done, but, um, <laughs> but you know, like, I, I just wanted something that could be something I did at home that was new, was creative, was, you know, just got my brain, I think, working in some way that was not involved with changing diapers and midnight feedings and all of that kind of thing. Um, and so I just walked around the store and I, you know, I ended up in the embroidery section. And I think what drew me in at the time, the very first things that I did was they had a couple of, of kits. One was, there were pillowcases that you could cross stitch. And one was, cars so it was like pixar licensing Mm -hmm. which grabbed my attention so i did a finding nemo pillowcase and a cars pillowcase for my kid but still you know it was something and that's how i taught myself to cross stitch um but you know and i continued on with that and i you know i've dabbled in all of the the embroidery forms and i i like them all cross stitch is just it's very regimented. It's, it's very Zen, you know, it's a repeating, you know, you do a hand, 
just a handful of stitches, two or three different kinds, you know, stitch types, but it's primarily just the doing the same stitch over and over again in a very, um, orderly, uh, I'll call it compulsive, maybe. (laughs) But it's a very, it's a very Zen and meditative activity. You know, I can do it while I'm watching TV. Uh, Mm -hmm. My hands are engaged. um, And you, you know, it's kind of that eight bit feel, right? It's, it's, it's doing something on a grid, but making an image out of it. Um. Yeah. So I just, you know, I dabbled and really kind of just fell into like cross stitch is my needleworking thing. That's, that's the part. And I think most people who do needlework kind of gravitate to one element of it over others. Um, that was mine. Um, and then just, you know, very quickly realized that, okay, there's, there's not a lot out there. And I was not that savvy about, you know, like the Etsy environment or, looking to see if people were designing things and making them available on the internet. And it very quickly became apparent that I don't like most of the designs that are just out there. Bless my home or really kittens kind of thing. I just, you know, that that's not satisfying. If I'm doing this, I want it to be satisfying. So I ended up my next cross stitch, big cross stitch, um, discovery was I, and my, I, my poor husband, I, I think I hid how much I spent on these, but I ended up on Amazon Japan oh, and wow. buying cross stitch books from, a, a an author, a Japanese author who is a phenomenal artist. She does. I can't remember her name now off the top of my head. That's bad of me because I have like seven of her books. Um, but she's she's a watercolor artist that does these amazing, beautiful botanicals and then converts them into cross-stitch patterns that are, oh, wow. you know, like one foot by, you know, they're, they're 12 by 24. They're huge cross-stitch patterns and they're super elaborate with dozens of thread colors. And, and I have these books now, like, you know, I'm probably, these are like the the second or third like major cross stitch projects I gave myself. And I'm working off of these books that are in Japanese. So I think that's a testament to how easy it is to pick up cross stitch and teach it to yourself. Like I could figure it out even though all of the instructions were in Japanese. So, and then I later bought a, a, uh, not a cross stitch uh, needleworking book from her, but just embroidery and found that, Oh yeah, I, I can't do the same cross stitch that works in Japanese, but I can't make my way through some of these other embroidery projects unless I go find someone to translate part of, you know, some of those projects out of that book, but they're still really pretty to look at. So yeah. it was completely worthwhile my buying them and having them shipped from Japan because we won't talk about that expense anyway, <laughs> moving on, um, get myself in trouble with that. So, so yeah, you know, I was, I found myself like really going out into like extremes to find things that I really wanted to stitch. And then it dawned on me, Oh, I should just make my own patterns for myself. Um, which, you know, that, that was delightful. And I went out and kind of hunted down some software programs. There are a lot of free, you know, kind of web service, uh, programs that let you do rough cross stitch patterns. Uh, but I found a really good, um, uh, 
a PC, you know, software program eventually to do cross stitch patterns in and now it works on my Mac as well, which is great. Um, so I started doing some designs for myself. Uh, and then, but that kind of coincided with my discovering um, this group, this craftcation group. Um, and I went to my first conference, uh, craftcation conference in 2015. And I took, and I think I was just kind of like, well, you know, I, there's an option out here. I'm doing my own designs. I could, you know, do these and maybe sell them, but I don't know what that entails. And, and, you know, maybe I'll just go to this craftcation thing and, and, I'll just sit and listen and, and see if it seems viable. And I took, they offer both crafting workshops and uh, entrepreneur, like, you know, how to do um, social media for your business and how to price your product. And they do a, a wide range of these workshops. And after taking a bunch of those, I, I walked out of that conference with like a, yeah, I, I think I'm going to do this. I'm going to, so over the next year, the course of that year in 2015, I, started a blog and launched an Etsy store and, uh, you know, did all of those things started to come up with a, you know, a line of, it took me that year to, to kind of come up with a line of like 12 or 14 designs that were suitable for selling to people. And I started going with my husband. It's been very much like, you know, comfort comic book convention. <laughs> like I, I just take a little part of my husband's table. Uh, so I think WonderCon maybe might've been the first time I took physical product um, and started selling it. But it's, you know, it's just so that I could do the things that, that make me, you know, really happy. So I think doing the kits and the designs for my Etsy store, it feels very scattered because, you know, I'll do a Wonder Woman design and then a I do a, a design based on the Nimona webcomic by Noel Stevenson, which, you know, I don't know that I'm not necessarily sitting down and going, Oh, I think this is the most marketable thing. Like it's mm -hmm. very important to me to just do designs that I really love and want to do. And it may end up being fairly obscure. Um, I've never, I'm probably not the most business savvy person in that regard, but it does feel important to me to just, do those designs that I like. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, and, and that, but that's, you know, kind of scattered. And I think, you know, and, and since then I've gone to the craftcation conference every year and just rubbed elbows with people who are doing, you know, their own businesses and quite a few people who do books. And I started thinking about, well, it would be really great to be, to do a string of designs that are thematic and, and, connected to each other and do a book. And there aren't a lot of, even now there are just, there aren't, you can go online and find a lot of really great cross stitch patterns and projects to do, whether it's Etsy or, you know, a lot of other sources, but there aren't a lot of cross stitch books mm -hmm. out there. Um, there's a number of magazines that do, you know, kind of crafting magazines that you'd find at the checkout counter at Joanne or Michael's or, Hobby Lobby, if you go to Hobby Lobby, but um, it, you know, but not books. There are books of embroidery, you know, so it just seemed like, oh, you know, that that's something I'd really, really want to do. But it, it felt really like, oh, that's going to be a long time from now because I'm going to have to go figure out how to pitch this to a craft book publisher. And these are big, like there, there aren't, small craft book publishers, you know, like they're, they're big name publishers. And, 
boy, I'm really going to have to work up to that. Uh, yeah. So anyway, you know, kind of around the same timeline that I was going to craftcation and starting my business, I was also had met and run into uh, Fanbase Press uh, through my husband, um, who they had interviewed um, a couple of times on the Fanbase Weekly podcast about his artwork, etc. Um, and so over the course of getting to know Fanbase Press, I did, um, you know, just started interacting with them completely separately uh, from my business. I was doing book reviews, movie reviews uh, for the Fanbase Press website. Of course, it was Fanboy Comics back then. Um, but and then after a year or two of doing that, they approached me about joining them um, on the Fanbase Weekly podcast um, as well. Um, so I've been doing that for a while. And then as I was thinking about um, wanting to do a book, I, you know, I think it was literally sitting at dinner with Barbara Dillon from Fanbase and another friend. Um, and I was, you know, I think it was probably right around the time where I'd just been to a craftcation conference and, you know, had all of this stuff swirling around in my head and was talking about trying to figure out ways I could pitch this really specifically geek themed like book of cross stitch patterns to some big craft book publisher and being really nervous about that because they're not, you know, it's, these aren't things that are necessarily appealing to a broad demographic and you know, how right. would I go about doing that? Um, and Barbara looked at me and said, well, gee, I, it's too bad. You don't know a publisher. <laughs> <laughs> And it was like literally one of those moments where I'm like, oh, duh. (laughs) Yeah, obvious. I mean, I was already, you know, inserting myself into the comic book convention world, right? You know, and and bringing something that is, you know, a a different kind of product, but into that environment. And yeah, it's, it's kind of this perfect, you know, marriage, I think, of new thing um, in that they can do as well as allowing for, you know, the specific content of what I want to design, but, you know, bring that into a, a, a comic book uh, publishing arena makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. And it's funny because I was looking at, um, I, mean, I was like, what does geek cross stitch kind of look like? <laughs> and I'm, I'm just amazed at the amount of, of, stuff that's out there, but I can understand the, the draw to have it all kind of in one place because it looks like it's kind of just dispersed to the winds. Yeah. It's, Um, it's a lot of individual people like cross stitch designs are not hard to do, you know, and, and that's, you know, I'm not going to try to tout myself as some kind of, um, you know, elaborate artist. And, and I love the fact that there are so many people out there who are designing their own, you know, cross stitch patterns. But part of what I enjoy about my what I want to stitch um, in these designs is, you know, I don't I don't want to do. And, and most of the designs you see on my Etsy store are designs that you can complete in probably, you know, a week's worth of just you know sitting down an hour to you know a night and stitching and then you're done with it. They're, they're three inch, they're four inch, they're, they're very quick and easy to do, but the designs I really like, and this is probably influenced by those, you know, huge botanicals from the Japanese books that I had. I really get into more elaborate designs, Mm -hmm. um, 
that probably would take you, you know, a month or two to, to you know, fairly, you know, regular stitching to get through. Um, but I want them to be very specifically geek themed as well. And, and I, and I don't think you see a lot of that available to you, um, just out there in the general geek cross stitch, you know, what's available, um, to you to look for. So, and then that's part of what I wanted to be able to do with a book is, is delve into some bigger projects. Um, so yeah, that conversation, uh, with Barbara just, you know, kind of turned into a, yeah, this fit feels like a really good fit, um, is something new and unique for them to do and, and lets me, you know, basically continue to try to, to market cross stitch patterns to the community that I'm already involved in. Right. Um, so, and, and obviously, you know, we're calling it a geek's guide to cross stitch and what I'd love to see, you know, cross our fingers. Uh, hopefully, you know, this first one will be successful. Uh, we'd love to see a series, um, so that I can, you know, branch out. This one is journeys in space. And so, you know, it's obviously space exploration and dives into a lot of my, my, my space nerdiness and my fangirling about NASA and, you know, astronauts, uh, that kind of thing. And, but, you know, I'm already kind of looking ahead and thinking about designs for, you know, maybe the next one will be horror themed and, you know, monsters and, lots of blood spatter and you know <laughs> using embroidery floss so you know that's that's the overall grand you know plan we'll cross our fingers i i just i love that because i i feel like that's kind of like we i think a lot of people associate cross stitch with little old ladies as you said with like <laughs> bless this home and, yeah. and kittens and um what i was looking at my favorite one of that i've seen so far is in in very much the same style as bless our home is yeah. chaotic chaotic stupid is not an alignment yeah um, oh yeah i, I think it's... that's a brilliant one but but yours are are like you've got you've got a kamala khan one on your etsy yeah. store um you have um <laughs> uh, best frenemies is it? Yeah, I, I, best frenemies. That one's from the Nimona webcomic, which again, like you know, that's that's really specific. Unless you've read Nimona, you like you don't necessarily recognize those characters. But it's just I love those characters, and I think you'll see that quite a few of the designs I have kind of play into that like girl empowerment. Um, element of geekdom yeah yeah nargle yeah. vision that's amazing yeah. like I, <laughs> like it's just it 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 kind of redefines in my opinion what you can do with with this medium and and the yeah. idea that you're gonna you you know you're thinking of doing you know monsters with blood and gore on cross stitch i think that's yeah i think that's brilliant well but and my husband um does he does sketch card stuff. He's done sketch cards for the walking dead and star Wars and a number of other properties. But his, you know, if you go to his table, um, an artist alley, it's, you know, there's a very large banner with zombies. His forte is, um, you know, like decaying zombie faces. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, so in his latest website is, uh, your So he'll, he'll draw you as a zombie. Nice. 
So this is pervasive um, in our households <laughs> as well. So yeah, not not doing a you know like a whole uh, series of zombie. And I have a few you know zombie themed designs on my Etsy store, but I need more blood spatter. I think probably That's that awesome. seems that seems inevitable. So uh, yeah. Now, now you're the, these patterns are. You said earlier that you know anybody can kind of learn how to cross stitch in, in about a half an hour. Do, do your yeah. patterns have a very clear de, um, progression from beginner to advanced, or is it kind of anybody can dive in on any particular pattern? Um, you know, I think there. I think there's a progression. I, I do in the book um, do quite a few smaller patterns um, because I like the idea of uh, so quite a few of the patterns are small enough that you can use them in um, a number of and w- which is something I enjoy even in your basic crafting store. Again, like Joanne, if you go into the embroidery section, you will find a lot more. Um, projects and and finishing projects for cross stitch and embroidery so like really small hoops that you can put on a necklace chain mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. instance or uh, medallions and bookmarks and bracelets and and that kind of thing so i've definitely done quite a few of the designs in the book with the mind of you know with the intention of oh okay this is an appropriate size to put on a bookmark or very small designs to put in those necklaces um and so those tend to be obviously, you know, go along with the beginner, you know, level of stitching. But I also have a number of much larger, you know, like eight by 10. I think eight by 10 is the largest I go with the designs. Um, it's difficult in a book, I think, to do a much larger design than that because the the pattern in the book has to be cut up um, so that it's readable. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to go too much larger than that. Um, but again, there, you know, other than size, there's still, it's still the basic, same basic stitch right. that you're using. Um, I, I think that there are a few, I have a series of four that are devoted to uh, some of the NASA missions. So like Juno and Cassini and New Horizons that went out to Pluto uh, the International Space Station uh, that I use. It just seemed natural to use a number of metallic threads. Um, and that's probably more where the degree of difficulty comes in is the different kinds of medium you can use to stitch with. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's your regular embroidery floss, then there are these metallics. They're kind of a different... Um, it takes longer <laughs> even for myself stitching with the metallics on some of these designs. I got to the end of it and I'm like, whew, that was, yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> it's so worth it. Cause it looks so amazing when you're done, but you, you have to exercise a little bit of patience and, and, and some skill probably to get through those. But I think, I think all of the designs fall on a spectrum of, easy beginner to maybe just slightly more difficult intermediate, Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't say that it's really hard to say that anything in cross stitch is difficult. Gotcha. Yeah. Now I'm sure this is like trying to, to choose a a child, which, you know, we we had trouble with fandoms, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. Um, (laughs) Do do you have a favorite pattern in the book that, you know, you're just kind of like this, this is the penultimate of, of my, my little collection here. (laughs) You seriously, you already <laughs> how difficult 
it is for me to pick it. Um, yeah, I favorite pattern in the book. Um, yeah, I have one that is a, and I think it's just because it's an emotional moment for me. Like I have emotional space nerd moments. Um, there's one that is a representation of a space shuttle launch and countdown. And I'm a kind of, I'm a kind of space nerd who cries when things like the, I don't know if you watched the recent, um, SpaceX launch Mm -hmm. and then, uh, their their successful you know Falcon launch and then bringing back the the um, boosters and landing them too at the same time um, I highly recommend people go on YouTube and watch this this is the one of course where Elon Musk launched his uh, Tesla mm-hmm. into outer space which is absolutely delightful I don't know if it's purposeful but it's delightful <laughs> um, but but you know I I watch that like you know I'm I watch that and I it was at work and I'm watching it live on my phone, you know, kind of sneaking it on my lap while I'm quote unquote working and, and also having to like fight back tears because this kind of thing makes me cry. (laughs) So yeah, that, that design probably out of all of them is, it means a lot because it's just, you know, it's an homage to those moments of, of successful launches and looking back at the space shuttle program, which was, was, you know, so long lasting for us in our history of space exploration. So. Well, and, and it says, it says it on, uh, on the, the fan base press site. I, I love the sentence. It says journeys in space will feature over 25 original cross stitch patterns that celebrate the awe and inspiration inherent in space travel and exploration. And I think that kind of sums it up. It is, it is something that is just very awe inspiring and, and and kind of amazing and outside of us. So I can understand where there would be an emotional reaction to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I am just, you know, my, the core of what I love about science fiction space exploration, NASA is just, I don't know that our, I don't know that most people really appreciate just how much we accomplish with how little, when you look at a a spacecraft like the new horizons probe that has crossed our solar system. And it, even now with the technology that we have, it, it's this little tiny piece of hardware, like it's microscopic compared to the vastness of just even our solar system. Mm-hmm. But we've achieved the the amount of data and imagery and knowledge that we've achieved with that is just mind-blowing. And we're doing it not just with that, but with a dozen other NASA missions. Uh, the fact that we can land a little thing on Mars and let it drive around for years, taking pictures and and... Uh, it, it just kind of, it blows my mind. It, yeah. And that, that's what I'm hoping to kind of have in this book is not just a, uh, you know, not just cutesy designs about aliens and, you know, whatever, although there, those are there, obviously that's part of the fun of it, but just some very, I have some very specific designs about very specific things that we've done. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the pre-orders that I'm, I'm again on your site, uh, pre-orders yeah. made by August 24th receive an exclusive pattern. 
Yeah, well, yeah, and yeah, exactly. So I, I haven't done those yet, but um, <laughs> they're going to be they're they're going to be very again very specifically, um, you know, probably some rockets or I don't know something specific. Very cool. Historical. Yeah. And uh, and I you you said uh, spiral bound format will allow crafters to lay yeah. the book flat. So I'm, I'm saying this for people who are into cross stitch that will you know I it's that that struck me as something that they would um, that a lot of people would go oh thank God. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah I certainly hope so. I know I do because you know a lot of books and I love them and and it's you can't get the pattern like it's it's hard to read a cross stitch pattern because it's a grid and it's it usually if it's elaborate in any way you get these little tiny squares with symbols that you have to try to read and a lot of times I find myself with these books on a photocopier trying to enlarge them. Mm-hmm. So I'm copying them and, and, and I'm hoping to reduce quite a lot of that like heartache. Um, and to just be able to, yeah, have the book in front of you laid flat and you don't have to weigh it down with stuff to have it open to the page that you're working from. Um, and, and hopefully it'll reduce, you know, some of the wear and tear. Some of my cross stitch, my really expensive Japanese cross stitch books are just pages are falling out because, I've used them so much doing so many of the, the patterns. So cross our fingers, it'll be a lot easier in this format. Very cool. It's releasing in October. Yeah. October 22nd. So we're, we're uh, looking forward to LA comic con, which I still have a hard time calling, not calling it kamikaze. Right. Um, right. But yeah, that's, that's our uh, target launch. And event. for, for 1999. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, it's a bargain for a craft book, hopefully. <laughs> no, I think that's I think that's awesome. I think it's really exciting. Yeah. If if I <laughs> wasn't already inundating my husband yeah. with all the other hobbies that I'm trying to get started, I'd be like, hmm, <laughs> cross stitch. <laughs> yeah, give it, give it a try. <laughs> Yay! Well, you know, and honestly, I'm hoping this is part of what I kind of hope with the things that I design because they're superheroes and just things that are across the spectrum, I'm, I'm hoping to kind of break the gender gap in cross stitch Mm -hmm. a little bit too, because you know, I, it's, it's a female presenting kind of thing, but I don't know that it needs to be, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I, it, it doesn't have to be hopefully just something that is female centric, right? You know, I think, I think this kind of, this kind of needlework, especially, um, I would hope would be very appealing for men as well. So that's awesome. Yeah. Especially with these themes. So anyway, well, very cool. Well, well, good luck with it. And we're, we're looking forward to hearing about, uh, its success. And I definitely Yay. want to have you back on, um, when you decided to do your horror one, because I think that's, yeah. that's brilliant. <laughs> I'm, I'm already starting to think of things. So <laughs> I should really get done with, uh, finishing up this book first, but I, I am mentally moving on. So <laughs> the, the, the creators, uh, um, crisis <laughs> there's always something yeah, else exactly. you're, you're working on mentally <laughs> very cool well, thank you so much for uh for sharing with us all of that um do you have any shout outs this week um yeah you know i'm just gonna stay very close to the space nerd theme and um give a shout out to an organization that i contribute money to on a regular basis which is the planetary society um which is the current CEO is Bill Nye, the science guy, but they're doing 
just ongoing fabulous work with advocating for space exploration. Um, you know, they were very, they're an instrumental organization in going to Congress every year and lobbying for, you know, good, um, healthy budgets for NASA and other space exploration, you know, related, um, projects and organizations. Um, it is, they're very, they're also a very informative organization. So, you know, sign up and become a member. Um, it's not a, too much money, um, but you will get a wonderful, um, I think it's monthly or quarterly um, publication from them that lets you know every kind, you know, possible, um, you know, in-depth articles about the final days of Cassini and what Mars uh, Curiosity is doing. Um, and they also have a really great uh, news podcast, um, a weekly news podcast where they're going around and interviewing people, usually about things that I listen to and I'm like, I don't understand half of this. <laughs> but like, I don't, I don't really understand all of the mathematic and, you know, ma- the, the math and the science around half of it. But uh, just some really fascinating discussions most recently about, you know, what we're learning about some of the exoplanets uh, that Hubble is, has discovered. And it, yeah, it's a great organization. So the uh, planetary.org um, and go check out the planetary society. That's awesome. Like I, I, I completely understand what you are saying about the whole math thing because I took um, <laughs> uh, astronomy in uh, college and right. was was like expecting it to be you know all the you know exploration and it just was it was just um, you know rocket science math. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, literally rocket science. This is not <laughs> what I wanted to do. I wanted to know about like the makeup of Mars and when we're going to get there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Very cool. Um, I just want to give a shout out to um, a couple of my podcasting partners and, and friends out there, because when you hear um, another podcast and you automatically think to yourself, Oh, I have to tell so-and-so about this. Like there's a special bond, <laughs> I think. And so I wanted to give a shout out to, um, to Ray, who's obviously my co-host uh, on this show, and Kelly Hightower, uh, who's my co-host on State of the Geek, and then um, Mandy Blake, who is uh, one of the um, one of the podcasters on the WEC podcast and on um, Bet You Didn't Know That, uh, because it's kind of like my little group of anytime I see something interesting and find a podcast that I want to share with people, I'm like, I know that those are the three people I can send it to and, you know, we can have great discussions. So I just want to thank you guys for just being, you know, being my receptive audience to bounce off cool stuff that I know you'll be interested in. So that's my little shout out for this week. Uh, next week, we do not have a guest in uh, for sure. I've got something planned, but they haven't gotten back to me. So hopefully we will we will have uh, a guest on next week. If not, I'm sure Ray and I will find something to gab about. So we will see you then. All the music in this episode is by Ben Sound. It is being used under Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. Geektitude is a proud member of the geek to geek Network. Check out other Geek2Geek shows such as the Geek2Geek podcast, RunningShoes.tv, The Comet Box, and Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. And make sure to join our Reddit community at Reddit, 
facebook.com forward slash r forward slash geek to geek cast. You can kind of f- currently find us at geek to do.com as well as on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geek dot.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Geektitude or me personally at Epic Grays. Uh, Claire, where can we find you? Oh, well, a good place to start is head over to my blog, which is unexpectedhobby.com. That will let you know all of the things I um, am a fan of, as well as news about what's going on with Unexpected Hobby, uh, which is my Etsy store as well. Um, It'll also point you to news about the book. Um, And I am at Unexpected Hobby on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Awesome. And I will definitely try and get all of those into the show notes. So if you're having trouble finding them, just hop on over to the site and they will be there waiting for you. Thank you so much, Claire, for hanging out with me this morning. Oh. I just absolutely loved talking to you. That was awesome. I, yeah. It, it, Barbara and Bryant and the Fanbase Weekly people are going to be so, so happy you gave me a an outlet for talking about all of the things I love so that hopefully... <laughs> I will be more focused. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we will definitely. The job I'm supposed to be doing over there. (laughs) We'll definitely have to have you back because, like I said, I I said in the. in, in our break in between that I, I tend to judge how well a show is going by how many things I want to dive into after uh, talking to people's uh, uh, interviews and w- weekly geekery. And I've got a huge list of stuff that I'm going to be looking right. into this week. So mission accomplished. Yes. <laughs> so that's it for us this week. And for all of you out there, remember this week, keep it geek. The red Legion took away our home. Dominus Gaul has stolen our light. But from the ashes, a fire team of guardians rise to. Guardian down. Wait, wait, wait. Who was that? Uh, Titan, no jump good. This is Happy Hour from the Tower. I'm T. I'm Nick. I'm Brandon. And we're going to talk about all things Destiny. Why we play. Why we love punching aliens in the face. And why T's aim needs a little bit of work. Have you got that? Say you've got it. See something! A podcast for players of all levels. Find Happy Hour from the Tower on iTunes, Stitcher, or at happyhourfromthetower.com. Eyes up, Guardian. Time to give up the ghost. It's Happy Hour from the Tower. First round's on us. song means it is once again time to promo the Geek Wolf Pack podcast. I'm your Papa Wolf, Nick Kelly. And I'm your Mama Wolf, Stacia Kelly. And I'm Thermal Wolf, Brandon Kelly. Here on the podcast, we're just a couple of generations geeking out and sharing what we think we think. We'll share the latest nerd news and sci-fi happenings. Looking for life hacks? I'll tell you if there's an app for that. And I'll give you the latest from a gamer's point of view. Plus, every episode includes some of what we like to call ADHD D&D. I'm a healer, and I killed a dragon. Spoilers. <laughs> so join us here at the Geek Wolfpack Podcast. Join us on iTunes, Stitcher, Blueberry, or wherever you find your podcasts, or simply at geekwolfpackpodcast.com. And as always, geek out. <laughs>